1: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And this is episode 313, Amazon's Top 100 Selling Board Games. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, my friend, we are back, and we are back with another fun episode. Obviously, of course, it's about board games. And of course, it's about adding to our endless collection. And one of the ways that we do this, and I know that everyone else does this too, is by purchasing games on Amazon. So for our feature review, we will be talking about Amazon's top 100 selling board games. And they really do track these things to a ridiculous level. So hourly, this this list updates. And it's going to have some things that you probably will know, and it's going to have a lot of surprises on it, too. So we'll be talking about that today. How about you, Anthony? Ever buy anything on Amazon?
0: Uh, yeah. Once or twice?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know, there's a little thing called a... There's a pandemic out there, (laughs) so I've been stuck at home a little bit i don't
0: know is it affecting you over there i don't i don't know
1: no i i i live uh, in i live yeah. in denial so i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> uh,
0: yes yes I, i've heard that denial has no, no pandemic, pandemic.
1: So great uh i mean it's it's, it's it's a u.s thing you wouldn't understand here in the united states we we just it's all it's all living in the land of denials. so yeah.
0: yeah pretend everything is fine
1: <laughs> i know, nothing is bad yeah, no,
0: I, I've bought a lot of things on Amazon. And, you know, obviously there are reasons that we would not necessarily want to do that always. But there are also reasons why sometimes it's it's quicker, it's faster, it's cheaper, and you can't find the other things you're looking for. So, you know, it, it's fun, too. Like, we're going to go through this list that which, you know, you've pulled together. And it's a good representation of what not board gamers are playing, but the whole world. Yes. Because it's Amazon, right? You can't get a bigger sample size than that.
1: Yeah, and we've seen board gaming grow to exponential levels. We've seen it just once upon a time. It was only at local friendly game stores. And then eventually there were online board game sellers. And now Amazon has taken a huge lead. In fact, one of the newest games from Renegade Games is an exclusive Amazon release. That's uh, World's Fair 1893. So... We're seeing more and more of board gaming getting over into the larger big box market stores where we never thought we would see it. And we were kind of happy about that. We liked having our stuffs (laughs) in our own little places. But as you said, Anthony, it's big, it's growing, and it's here. Yeah, 100%. All right. So we'll be talking about that on our feature review. But before we get into that, we want to let everyone to know a little bit about what we have coming up. So when you listen to this on Wednesday morning anthony on wednesday evening there's something going on called bga live yes sir we got a weekly live show
0: on board game arena check it out episode 23 this week res arcana this is the uh one of my favorite games from like two years ago from thomas Lehman, and it is a fantastic quick easy to play game uh won a bunch of awards actually last year and uh, i'm excited to get a chance to sit down and show it to y'all it's jumped up to like number two on board game arena right now so Everybody's playing it and if you haven't had a chance yet,
1: you can join us and we'll teach you and you get a chance to check it out. All right, so that will be online live on Board Game Arenas Twitch channel or you could watch on the embedded feed on Board Game Arenas homepage. But we'd rather you join us on Twitch because there you can jump into the chat and let everyone know what you're going on. So Anthony, with that said, let's get on to what's going on with our listeners. What's our question of the week? All right, question of the week this week we have a, a slightly more visual
0: one that I put up at the end of last week. So I'm gonna we're gonna touch back to uh, one of the questions we talked about last week on board game uh, arena on BGA Live, and that is what older Euro would most benefit from a big expansive Kickstarter relaunch. Ooh. So you know, apologies to anybody who watches both shows because <laughs> we are. Double a little bit here but i thought it was a really good question we got a lot of really good answers so it'd be a good one to revisit and kind of expand on some of the answers we got from facebook uh, david says el grande could do with much better components and artwork then it would match the caliber of game it is a classic uh tom mentions castles of burgundy and puerto rico i think um castles of burgundy for sure Absolutely. i know they tried with the anniversary edition. It just it wasn't great <laughs> so um do it again do it again guys <laughs> try over uh, we talked about turning taxis a bunch uh, yes. last week because it's, it's a fantastic game spill the cr and everything else but it's ugly as mm-hmm. sin. i just every time i pull it up on board game arena i'm like i just want it to Aww. go away it's so ugly to look at <laughs> uh make it better we have chris my friend chris thank you chris how about spirium an underrated classic <laughs> with an early worker on <laughs> We know! It's amazing! Check it out. Um, I would I would give so much money for a Kickstarter of Spirium. Drew mentions Trajan and Lancaster. Uh, both are solid Euro games, but both could use a facelift. We'll have to wait and see, because we know that there are a bunch of other uh, Stefan Feld games that are going to be redone mm-hmm. with new themes yeah. as part of his City series. Not, not all of them will be new, none of them will be old, but there are a few more coming. All right. Lancaster, I've never played, but I, I know I've heard good things. You like that? Yeah, them, right? I do.
1: It's it's a queen game and it's about building up your castle and taking over areas, and you have these really odd, these kind of little chunky squares, and that represents your knights and such. So yeah, I, I could see that getting an upgrade. All right. Martin mentions the Carcassonne big box.
0: He wants every expansion <laughs> and the Euro map. Everything that's ever come out. This is a 20-year-old game. There's like 50 things that have come out for it uh it's like just google all carcassonne tiles and you'll see the crazy people lay out all these tiles on, on like i don't know where they must have the world's biggest house where they could do this but that would be pretty intense and be very expensive i'd imagine <laughs> uh jeffrey mentions genoa uh matt mentions twa i like the artwork of twa but
1: i think there's some areas you could certainly upgrade if you wanted to well i think for me hansa teutonica recently got a big box version and I think it still needs a bigger box version where the artwork and the components are kind of like super upgraded because that's just a game that really doesn't have any theme. It's just super, super, the ultimate dry Euro. So whatever they could do to kind of upgrade that experience would be great. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Uh, for me,
0: I honestly, it's all the Stefan Feld games uh, that aren't already in the queue, do those and spirium like we already mentioned that so i think people are on
1: the right track here i
0: think you all are in my head so
1: you'll all be receiving your spirium checks from anthony soon <laughs>
0: there you go so that that is the question of the week um thanks to everybody over on facebook uh and twitter for responding and, and participating in that conversation Uh, And, yeah, we post these up twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. If you want your answer read on the show or on Board Game Arena when we do BGA
1: Live, um, just hop on over, join us on Facebook, and answer the question. All right. So please, again, as Anthony said, all of our social media accounts, Facebook and Twitter, you'll see the question of the week. BoardGamersAnonymous.com is our website where you could hit us up and find all of our content on there. Please check out our YouTube channel. This podcast is playing there so you could check out that and all of our content up there. Anthony, before we move forward, didn't we post something on there as well, our recent tier list? Yeah, yeah, definitely check
0: that out. We have uh from our our episode last week, which you probably heard audio-wise, but we did the Uwe Rosenberg ultimate tier list, and because we did that live on Twitch, I clipped out the chunk just with that tier list, and I put it up on our YouTube page. So if you want to watch that and see the different covers and get our expressions and our exasperation as we argue with each other about which of a Rosenberg games deserve to be up there, please check that out because, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. We're excited to do more of these, but we certainly need, you know, we want you all to watch it and give us feedback and let us know what you want to hear and see, and then
1: we'll, we'll see what comes next. But uh, that is up on YouTube right now. Yeah, as we talked about last week on the podcast and on the live stream on Board Game Arena, we're trying to do new things, interesting things, dynamic things. So we'd love to hear from you and like to hear what you'd like us to do because what you'd like is what we put out. All right, Anthony, so that's everything that's going on with our listeners. Let's talk about the games that we want to hit the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right, so for me, first up
0: is a game that I don't think will be good, but I want it to be good. And that is I want this to be good. That is Red Rising mm-hmm. from Stonemeyer yep. Games. And this is uh codenamed Gold, uh, which if you've been following their stuff, they finally announced it. It is co-designed by Jamie Stegmeyer, so it's not an outside designer, along with Alexander Schmidt, who works for Stonemeyer And it's based on a series of novels by Pierce Brown. Um about a dystopian world on Mars in the far future. And it the, the books are fantastic. The, the original trilogy, I love them. I read them as they came out, had a lot of fun. There's a second trilogy as well, which is a little bit heavier. Um, still very good, uh, but that, that original trilogy is very solid. And it the whole world is interesting because you have... It's a dystopian society. It's the future. But he he mixes in, you know, elements of like the Hunger Games in the first book. And you get like these various wars in in the second and third books. And the character itself is like rising from the lowest possible cast, you know, the bottom of society up to the top. It's got some espionage elements. It's got like all these different things baked into it. And it's really well written and engaging. One of my favorite science fiction novels that came out, you know, those years that they came out. And now we have a board game based on it, which is really cool but the game doesn't look that interesting. (laughs) So I want it to be good. Um, We don't know a lot about it yet, but it looks like a fairly light card game where you, on your turn, you just, you have a hand of five cards. You will play one of those cards, take an action, and then grab another card from a different location. So you just always have five cards. You're playing one out. You're taking an action. So it's like a hand management. You're trying to build some combos based on the cards that you have. Could be great. I don't know. There's a lot of 45 minute, one hour card games that are amazing. I hope this is one of them. But at first glance, it looks very bare bones. Now, the theme alone will probably get me to pick this up (laughs) just because I'm really excited that they're making a game out of this. Um, I'm definitely cautiously optimistic about the quality of the game. And that's part of that is it's an IP tie in, which, you know, some of those are great. Some of them are not. We'll see. The other part of it is the last couple of games out of Stonemire i've not been super hot on they haven't been bad per se they just have been disappointing to a degree i guess pendulum wasn't great but i've been disappointed in them right which is not how i used to feel about Stonemire mm-hmm. games so i'm i'm like uh, wary about it but at the same time theme alone is going to get me in the door so red rising it comes out sometime in the spring summer pretty soon nice yeah i mean the artwork looks good there's no baseline for this there's no movie yeah. there's no tv show or anything this is the first thing based on that ip i think they had a comic book Mm -hmm. series uh maybe for this maybe it's based on some of that artwork and obviously it's Stonemeyer components and there's a collector's edition which looks really nice but it's a bare bones game mechanically speaking so i don't know there's not a lot there to look at other than the deck of cards i do like the cover cover cover's pretty cool cover is fantastic yeah and then it's got rainbow on it and that there are the 14 different casts there's all these levels of society the reason it's named codename gold is cuz the golds are the top of that and the reason it's called red rising is because red is the bottom of that so and then there's everything in between and people kind of have jobs based on their caste in society so like the reds are miners they live underground <laughs> where the golds run society they're the politicians yeah. so that part is really cool it's got like a roman type of you know you know uh, a layout to it but We'll see how that plays out in gameplay.
1: Well, you know, Glory to Rome has a very minimalistic look to it. And it's such a fantastic game that everyone is like seeking out that. So I'm assuming that's what they're going for here. So. All right. Possibly. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd, I'd love that. All right. So for me this week, I'm talking about a game that has recently fulfilled. It's getting to backers. It's after the Empire. This was a Kickstarter game back in 2000, I think, 19, 2020. They've been talking about this for quite some time. It's from first time designer Evan Hulbert and Ryan Mock. And it's a game about building, customizing, and defending your castle. So it is very generic, kind of feudal age, high middle age, so to speak. And basically, this game kind of combines. I guess probably the best way to say would be it's, it's very Kingsburg like because you get your own castle and what's really cool about this. And one of the great things that Kickstarter does do is they allow for those upgraded pieces to be right there in the base game. So you have your castle and your little kingdom, which you are trying to protect from all the barbarian invaders throughout the game. So how do you do that? Well, First off, it's a basic worker placement game. So you're going to send out your workers to collect refugees because obviously the age has been bad and you are trying to recruit craftspeople and workers and mercenaries to support your castle. You're also building buildings based upon the resources you pick from the quarries and from the forests. So worker placement to get you stuff, to get you people, to get you buildings, and to get cards in your hand. Because this game has a little bit of a card selection, not necessarily a deck builder, but you are building up a tableau of building and uh, special abilities throughout the game, which is pretty cool. On top of which, the main action of the game, in fact, is fighting back these attacking troops throughout the game. So as the game goes on, these square cards will flip over and they will tell everyone where these attacking forces are coming from. And on your own player board, you're actually building a little 3D plastic castle. You start off with a wood castle, and then eventually you can upgrade to a solid stone castle. And you'll have the opportunity to put resources into your walls, and also troops and mercenaries to defend your castle. So you build up your castle the best that you can. You defend it the best way you can. The mercenaries attack, and they attack based upon how much money you have in the game. So money in the game is basically victory points. So the more money you have, the more tempting a target, the more tempting a target you are. When those cards flip over, you have to face more of a challenge. So eventually, hopefully, you hold out, but more likely you're going to get rushed in. They're going to rampage your lands, do some damage, but it'll also give you an opportunity to rebuild on further rounds. You lose a little bit of a money, you build money up again, you build up your castle again, and you defend each and every round. At the end of the game, whoever has the most money, based upon how they defended their castle, how they built their buildings, how they got their special bonus cards throughout the game, is the victor. So again, after the Empire, again, talking about the fall and then the rise of empires here, is a really cute game. I wish I backed this now, because I love Kingsburg. I love the idea of selecting the actions, getting resources, building up against what will be this, you know, tremendous battle that happens at the end of each season. And this seems to be like a physical 3D version of it with like really cool toy value to it. So if you've backed it, it's going to land with you pretty soon. If you haven't backed it, you should check it out. That's after the Empire.
0: Yeah, this looks awesome.
1: I, I miss this completely. I, don't, I didn't even know what you were talking about. And I was like, Kickstarter? How did I not see this? I don't know. Yeah, it's from Gray Fox <laughs> Games. They they did a really nice job with the production here. This was first-time designers. So the price point that came along with this was a little rough. But it looks to be a very solid game. So I think if anyone backed this, uh, they're quite so, quite happy with it. Because the inserts and even the components are like super high quality. So yeah, this is something that I hope get my table at some point. And uh, maybe, who knows, maybe I'll be able to pick it up. All right, Anthony, so that's everything that we want hit our table. Let's talk about the games that did hit the table and tablet. And we'll let everyone know if those games are a buy and they should run out and pick those games up. If those games are a play and they should sit down and play them. If those games are a dodge and they should avoid them at all costs. Or if those games are a dreaded burn. And we should not even talk about them because they are just not worth even talking about. All right, Anthony. So what you get to the table this week?
0: All right, yeah. I got a so I backed this on Kickstarter uh, sometime last year in the blur that was 2020, uh, and it is a a tile laying uh, sequel of sorts to boss monster called Overboss. So. This is like the cover has like the boss from Boss Monster like reaching out and all these tiles on the ground. And and the concept is you're not just building like a, a very finite dungeon to get the hero, you're building like the whole over map, right? Like all the different pieces of the terrain. like And so it's top down and that's kind of like a Zelda type of look, you know, uh, as all these different types of areas that you could go to. The game comes with 10 different types of terrain, plus uh, there's like dungeons mixed in there as well. And in each game, you're going to only use five of them. So it's decent replayability. Uh, On top of which you have the minions themselves. There is a set for each of the different types of terrain. Plus there are mini bosses and uh, crystals and portals and all sorts of stuff, right? And so the game itself, the rules are very simple. You lay out four uh, terrain tiles at a time with four matching tokens that you draw from a bag on your turn, you take one pair of those. So you take a tile with a token, they're paired up already. You put the tile somewhere on your tableau. So it's either gonna be a three by four, so 12 uh, spot grid or four by four, 16 spots. And each of those terrain tiles are gonna score in a different way, right? So like forests, for example, you get points for each one you have. Uh, the more you have, the more points you score. Uh, Deserts, however, you need them to be adjacent to each other for that to work. Uh, Graveyards, you score points if you have the most of them. Um, There are some more advanced tiles that have like more wonky rules to them. There was like a Kickstarter bonus set, which I think you'd be able to get separately at some point, um, which has towers or something that's even more interesting things. And so each of these does something different, and you have to choose from the draft when it comes to your turn. There's only those four available. So maybe. You're doing deserts and you need five of them to maximize the points. But there's no deserts available. Or somebody else is like, I'm going to do deserts too. And they're drafting in front of you every time. So that's basically the game. That's what you're doing. There are a couple of things that make it a little more advanced. Uh, you can have a asymmetrical power uh, with a boss card. I think there's 10 or 12 of those in the box. And these correspond to different bosses that you would have seen in boss monster, like King Croak. And cerebellum and curax, and you know, they they basically match up to all the old, you know, 8-bit and 16-bit bosses that you would have seen. And they have like an asymmetrical power that breaks the game a little tiny bit, and then an endgame scoring condition that kind of layers on top of them as well. There's also these cards uh that you these command cards, it will impact like the shapes and where you're putting your tiles. So you can make the game more complicated if you want to, but you don't have to. And so I've been playing this game primarily in the basic mode with my kids and they absolutely love it. Oh. You know. Never mind the fact that they they're my son especially loves video games, so of course he likes this. But the game is so accessible. Like often I bring out a game and it says eight plus and the rules are light, especially for us here on the podcast who are used to reading twenty page rule books. I'm like, it's only three <laughs> pages, no big deal. But even that's a little much to get a kid to sit through and they'll listen and they'll understand it, but they won't do well at it. And then they get frustrated. This game has the quick start rules for the basic version is like three paragraphs. It's very easy. It's very simple. Like my six year old taught my wife how to play today because she wanted to play and I wasn't available. So that is awesome. I love that. That's why I backed it. Cause I was like, oh, this could be a fun thing for the kids and spot on, perfect. But then you do have these extra layers to make it more complicated if I want to play the game and get a little more challenge out of it, right? And that's cool. Uh, the variability is awesome because you have the 10 or with the Kickstarter version, 11 different tile sets to draw from. The There's a solo like campaign mode that comes with different scenarios. I think there's like five or six of them that you could run through and and try to max out your score that way. It's I'm, I'm legitimately impressed with this. I thought it would be just another simple, quick meh of a game <laughs> you know brother wise games they're all very good but none of them i don't know there's something about them or just you want there to be a little more meat on the bones and they're just not there and that's not their brand so that's not on them that's just me wanting that theme in a more complicated package but this game in particular i think i'm a exactly happy with where it is i didn't expect a big complicated game i thought you know this is a great family thing it's got a video game theme which the kids will love it's accessible it's quick it's easy to teach it's got a bunch of extra stuff you can do uh if you want to ramp it up or play it solo and it does it very well so uh if you have children if you have family and this theme makes sense for you i would say this is a buy Everybody else, you know, the gamers. Maybe you're playing with other gamers or with your spouse or just your friends. I don't know. You know, I obviously we're in lockdown, so I don't know how this is going to go over with a gamer group. It's pretty light, right? And it's a big box, and you know, it's a full size game box, like ticket to ride size box. So I don't know what the MSRP is because it just shipped for backers, but it's probably forty or fifty dollars, like any other game in the in those categories, and at that level. I don't, I don't know. It'd be hard to recommend it for that. But as a family game, awesome. Like this is going on my list, you know, for family games of this year. Like I'm, we're having a blast with it and uh, really happy I picked it up. So that is Over Boss, a boss monster adventure, which just shipped. I just got this like a week and a half ago uh, from the Kickstarter. So
1: hopefully if you did not back it, you'll be able to find it online here in a month or two. Awesome. Yeah, I remember this being on here. And wondering if it was something that was right for me. Obviously, way back in the day, Boss Monster was something that you and I were quite into. It was like that 8-bit throwback video game kind of thing that we grew up with. So it made sense to kind of pick that up. This did, as you said, look much lighter, much more family, which is not a bad thing. Because obviously, whatever we could do to get family involved in hobby board gaming, all the better. And it did look like a solid production. It didn't look like they cheaped out and just made a dumb kind of kids game. It looked like they actually put some thought into it. So if someone owns Boss Monster, is this a must-have? Is this just, you know, instead of? I mean, how how do you feel with, with this and Boss Monster? Like, do you need to have both in your collection? Should you have one, not the other? Does one work better with adults and one with children? It's, it's funny because
0: this one's going to cost more. Boss Monster is just a box of cards, right? It's like $30, 35 I don't know what this one's going to cost, but probably more than that because it has a lot of tiles. There's somewhere between 60 and 100 tiles that come mm-hmm. in the box. So it's a lot of cardboard. And that's, you know, it's, it's meatier. It takes a little bit of time to set up. It takes a little bit of time to break down because of that. You have to shuffle the tiles together. It's a different feel, but at the same time, kind of a similar one. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because the theme is the same, but the actual mechanics are different. It's a tile laying game and you're trying to score points based on how you lay the tiles. Boss Monster is, it's a card game and it's based on like these five cards you play out and like the order in which you knock out the heroes. It's very different. So I would say you could definitely have both in your collection. And if you love the Boss Monster theme, like love, love that theme, this is the same theme, right? (laughs) It has the same characters. It has a lot of the same stuff. You get all the little illustrations on the tiles, which is a lot of fun. It's simpler, of course. There's no text. There's nothing to read. Like Boss Monster, I can't play with the kids yet because there's a lot of reading and it slows them down a lot. This one is just pictures unless you're using the
1: boss cards. So I would say this is more family friendly for sure. All right. Very cool. All right, well, the game that I got to the table this week is Moonrakers. This was a recent Kickstarter from first-time designers Austin Harris and Max Anderson. So in Moonrakers, you are a mercenary fighting for sovereignty in a galaxy full of outlaws. And you're trying to do your best to pick up missions, gain prestige. And of course, as all kind of mercenaries tend to do, is pick up money because you need to pick up some new crew. You need to pick up some new equipment in order to help you accomplish all the missions that you need in order to, you know, raise your reputation in the in kind of a galaxy far, far away. So this game actually utilizes a number of different game components. First off, it's a deck builder. So there is deck building here. Not too much deck building, but one of the base mechanics of this game is you are again, kind of the the mission captain here, and you have your very own ship, and your ship has a number of different components. So at the start of the game, everyone has the same draw pile of cards, and you draw five cards, and that will give you unique icons to be able to do certain things that you need to do on a particular mission. Now, as the mission leader, you will choose what contract you want to be able to accomplish. Now, the contracts themselves have a, a number of different requirements in order to be completed so you may or may not based upon the five cards you draw have what the contract requires not to worry this game allows you to ask your opponents to join in on the mission and you know help you out to accomplish it and by doing so you negotiate either prestige points or money you know as a reward for helping you out Now, there's also danger involved in this as there are hazard dice that will be rolled because all these missions are fairly dangerous. So depending on the victory points that are promised at the end of the game based upon all these different missions you pull together, there are going to be more hazards. Now, you're going to be rolling these dice and getting these hazard markers that are going to lower your prestige, but you also have your own cards that will provide for defense or maybe one of your other competitors who's joining you on the mission will decide to roll the dice themselves and taste the risk at maybe a higher reward. And of course, maybe they have a card that they can help. Now, that being said, they don't have to help you. So they might say, nope, no one's going to help you with this particular mission because the game is a race. You're trying to get to 10 prestige. So just like any Munchkin game, yes, you'll help your competitors fight the monsters up until a certain point. Now, surprisingly, not like Munchkin, but more like nothing personal, your competitors could jump in to help you, but pull out the last second, leaving you high and dry and having just a hang back at home or even worse. So there is a challenge there as far as that's concerned. So eh, are they allies? Are they not? Who knows? Well, as the game goes on, you'll be working to fulfill objective cards. These are secret hidden uh, prestige opportunities for you to gain points based upon what missions, what equipment, what crew you pull on. So again, you're pulling contracts, you're forming alliances with your competitors at the table, you're dealing with the hazards. If they don't help you, if nothing works out, then you're going to stay at the base and just collect a bit of money so you can upgrade your ship for later. As the game goes on, you're going to be doing this over multiple rounds. Your deck will get better, so you'll be able to accomplish missions more or less on your own. And then eventually, whoever hits 10 first wins the game. And pretty much that's it. As as I mentioned, there is deck building here. It's not too much as far as the deck building is concerned, but it does give you an opportunity to build out your deck with different crew. It does give you an opportunity to upgrade your ship that's going to give you different equipment, different special abilities that are going to be necessary in order for you to win. Now, I played this at one uh, as that was kind of a, an interesting solo mechanic. You have 10 rounds to be able to get as many prestige points as you want, and there's a certain scoring mechanism to kind of match up to Use this mercenary deck, which basically, instead of having opponents, it allows you to have allies that are in play here. But again, just like the regular game, they're going to take away money. I played this at two. It then becomes a bit of a co-op in the game. That's okay. And I played this at three. And now at three, it's interesting because this is where the money comes into play, the negotiation and the backstabbing that kind of plays out. The game plays up to five. Now, unfortunately, due to COVID, I have not been able to play this game at four or at five. And I think that's really going to be the sweet spot for this game because since this is all about bringing allies that are also competitors into this game, dealing with negotiations and backstabbing, I think you need to have many people as possible. As I mentioned, it does have a little deck building. It does have that munchkin kind of thing where you can jump in and help people out only to the last second, just kind of, pull a fast one on them but basically the game is a race once you get to 10 everyone kind of like slows you down a little bit but that's pretty much it and that's moonrakers so i would recommend moonrakers as a play as i said i think that at the higher player count the negotiation really comes into play unfortunately i haven't gotten to play yet so a tentative play until i get to play it at the larger player count and again Since there is so much negotiation involved in the game, that's got to be something you're really interested in doing. Otherwise, playing the solo mode, the production's really good. The art is very minimalist. And it even comes with like a comic book and and actually coin money. So you get a little bit of an upgrade for Kickstarter. So overall, good game. Definitely depends on your group and depends on how much negotiation and backstabbing you're interested in doing. Cool. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard a few people talking about this. And I got the
0: sense that it was not something I would necessarily want to play by myself or with my wife. But uh, it's definitely on my radar to check out like once we're able to go out and you know, interact
1: with each other again. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a game group kind of thing. You have to have fun with it. Again, it's typically one of the things that m- people don't like munchkin working together. You're not working together. You're, you're rushing to get to 10 and then you stop. That's what happens in this game as well. So again, it's very, you know, game night, game player dependent. Unless you play it solo, which then again loses that kind of main component to the game. So I will check back around once we get larger player counts to the table. All right, so that's everything that's hitting our table. Again, if you'd like to reach out to us, we'd love to hear from you. Please hit us up on all social media because we love to get the games to the table that you want to talk about. All right, Anthony. So now on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are talking about Amazon's top 100 selling board games. As of this moment that we record, they update this list all the time and I've been clicking on it and I got to admit it is true. They keep updating it. The things keep switching around. So I'm really interested to tell you about this list because by Wednesday, the list will change. <laughs> not Maybe not dramatically, but the list will change. And we have a really fun list for you today. And again, as we said earlier, we're seeing more and more these days as publishers become bigger, as gaming becomes huge, it's taking more of the industry over and more of the general public around the world are playing hobby board games, which is excellent. But it means it's going through Amazon. So we will talk about the hundred top selling games again. Some which you know, some which are you know family classics, but definitely a lot of surprises in here. What do you think, Anthony? Are you foreseeing any kind of interesting trends here? I, I like. I, I took a peek at this earlier uh, when when we
0: kind of selected the topic, and it's all over the map. And, and I'm interested to know, like is that always the case was that the snapshot for then and and it makes sense because we're looking at the sum total of everyone in america and what they Mm -hmm. buy on amazon so it's everybody from like somebody in college playing you know entry-level hobby games up to you know your 82 year old grandma buying a game for (laughs) uh grandchild has no idea what they want to play right so I'm expecting it to be eclectic.
1: Eclectic (laughs) is the key word here. All right, let's get into the list. We have the top 100, starting with 100. So, Anthony, starting out with number 100, we have checkers. A variation of checkers, but we have checkers nonetheless. Not too surprising there, right? No, not at all. I mean, it's checkers. What can you (laughs) say? It's checkers, and it still sticks around, and you can still... uh, Always count on it being here until it gets a uh, Netflix movie. It's gonna stay at number one hundred. All right, number ninety nine, Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Ah, sweet! <laughs> I love this. I love it too. It, it's a horrible game. It never works. It's it's garbage, but it's so much fun anyway. So. True, true, true. I remember this as a kid. So yeah, I'm, I'm really shocked. I'm really surprised that this is still around. But uh, yeah, glad that I am. Number ninety eight, Parcheasy. I, the only thing
0: I know about this is that it's my 83-year-old mother-in-law's favorite game. And so she's made the kids play it with her a few times.
1: I, I think it's just sorry without calling it sorry. I right? think so. <laughs> so. Yeah, I remember playing this back as a kid, too. And even I was like, really? Yeah, this, this game was like born old. All right. Number 97, Alphabet Bingo. You remember hitting the table with some Alphabet Bingo lately, huh? Oh.
0: Heck yeah,
1: man. <laughs> Get some sweet Alphabet Bingo going on
0: i have like a bunch of these old peaceable kingdom type of games in our in my basement my kids don't play them
1: anymore but i'm sure this is good like they make they definitely stuff. do all right number 96 we have our first hobby board game here escape the room and this would be stargazer's manor this is basically escape room in a box
0: yeah, I never did the Think Fun escape room boxes. I've heard they're good, but I, I have a bunch of unlocks and I have a bunch of exit
1: games. And that's about as far as. Yeah, I this can. is a one and done kind of situation. Number 95, Aggravation, which I've never played, but it looks like a bunch of marbles jumping over each other. So, yeah, Aggravation. Ditto, never mm-hmm. played it. Looks <laughs> aggravating. Number ninety-four, a classic. I'm, I'm actually surprised this is still there. Simon, my kids love this. They both have one,
0: and talk about aggravating. The oh sound from this thing is
1: like <laughs> <laughs> they're like, you know what people like about this game? Aggravation. No, wait, that was the last one. <laughs> Just random noise, random noise. <laughs> noise
0: and sound and.
1: Yeah, kids love that stuff. Yeah. All do. right, number <laughs> 93, another hobby board game. This time an expansion nonetheless, Catan Seafarers the expansion.
0: I yeah, Seafarers is good. I haven't played Catan in like 5 years, but I remember Seafarers being like the bare minimum of what you needed to add to make that game playable. Yeah,
1: it's surprising you're talking about the top 100 board games for sale here on amazon and an expansion wow it's pretty impressive number 92 funko godzilla tokyo clash i recently talked about this and reviewed it it's a good game and it's mostly on here because it's on super super markdown yeah it is 18 <laughs> bucks go buy that guys. absolutely number 91 not a surprise here we got some pictionary pictionary is a classic gotta yeah, love it especially for haven't played in a while but yeah, I love it. especially this one for the kids it's really a good start number 90 is an interesting one i wouldn't think of this as a board game anthony but nonetheless it's here magnetic dartboard man you don't even know <laughs> this is this is the top of the line board game
0: you don't have a magnetic dartboard
1: i probably do but i don't think about it as a board game uh what are you doing on this podcast get out All right, of here. we'll do we'll, we'll, we'll have to do a feature review in the f- is is this a board game or not a board game? I'm, I'm going to say darts is not a board <laughs> game, but we'll, we'll leave that for another time. Number 89 is another hobby board game and another expansion. We're talking about wingspan Oceana expansion.
0: haven't played it yet, but I'm sure it's great. I, uh, the
1: European ones. Fantastic. Yeah. Same here. All right. Number 88. is a classic. We all play this at some point. Connect four. This
0: is like legit one of my favorite of those older games because it's still good, right? It's not like a lot of those older games, just they fall flat. But this one is still legitimately good and requires some
1: thinking. So, yeah, I dig this. Pretty sneaky, sis. All right. Number 87 is Five Second Rule Junior. I have not played this. Have your kids played this? I have not even heard of this. All right. Number 86 is the classic Retro Edition Clue.
0: You know what? I was just listening to a video game podcast and they were going on about Clue being really hot on Steam and Twitch. People are playing Clue on like the Steam version of Clue on Twitch. And it's like, this is the next (laughs) Among Us. And I don't know if it's going to become the next Among Us. But apparently there's a surge in interest in Clue right
1: now for that reason. So there you go. Well, I love the movie. (laughs) And again, I always found it was weird, even as a kid, that as that. A family we're playing about a murder and what you know right. instrument we use to kill the person with <laughs> Jeez. all right we have another hobby board game here for you, number 85 machi caro uh
0: yeah i mean it's a great family game it for us it needs more stuff
1: but i think if i was gonna play this with my kids i'd be perfectly happy just playing much more. absolutely Coro. Number 84, another hobby board game. Anthony, I think this one's going to surprise you. Seven Wonders Duel. Oh, yeah. Awesome.
0: Yeah, that should be up there. One of the best two-player games of all time. So good job, people on Amazon.
1: <laughs> it's true. Number 83. This is one of the board games that got me into hobby board gaming before it was hobby board gaming, Risk. And the version here is the 60th Anniversary Edition.
0: I have not played Risk in at least 10 years probably longer it's true i remember loving it when i was a kid but it was only because it would take 14 hours <laughs> and i liked it took forever it was the
1: original it, it so, was the original original now. 14 hour board game twilight imperium kind of thing so yeah yeah uh, just stick to australia people and you'll be fine all right number 82 is apples to apples junior that's cute
0: yeah i don't i don't have this for the kids but uh i should consider it actually i think it's a good game for fans yeah
1: i actually went through my collection recently and i i actually have a copy of apples to apples it was one of those kind of like hey board games for adults but they're kind of fun and it's not cards against humanity and yeah i still hold my copy all right number 81 anthony i hate to say this but sorry Ugh, <laughs>
0: i hate this game <laughs> There are certain kids' games where you're just like, why does this exist and why do people keep buying it? And sorry is one of them. I'm sorry. If you like it, I'm good for you. That's great. I'm glad you have it you like it. But I think it's horrendous. <laughs> it's a horrible game.
1: All right. Number 80 is Cribbage. It's a deck of cards and a board. All right. I love okay. Cribbage.
0: Yeah, my parents taught me to play Cribbage when I was like 10 years old. And it was like one of my favorite things to do with the
1: adults when I was uh, in middle nice. school. How about this one, Anthony? Number 79. It's a classic. Operation. Mm. I know. That's all I know. I, I am terrible at this. <laughs> it's no good. All right. What about this one? Number 78. I don't know if you would consider it a classic classic or a hobby board game, but Stratego. Oh, yeah. Yeah, is amazing. This one holds up.
0: Legit. Like... I, I want I know they're block war games, so that's basically mm-hmm. what they are, Stratego,
1: but this game was one of my favorite games, hands down, when I was a kid. Absolutely. Same here. Number 77, we're back to our hobby board games here. Not a surprise, Carcassonne, the standard base dish edition.
0: Yeah, this is a gateway game. This is a foundational game. Makes sense to be honest.
1: All right, number 76, another hobby board game that I've seen once or twice at the table, Bananagrams. You know, I
0: had a copy of this for years and I left it at my job in New York. Like when I quit, cause I brought a bunch of stuff into work and people play this every day at lunch. And I just, I never got into it, even though I love Scrabble.
1: So it's, it might still be there for all I know. All right. Here's another game I've never heard about. Number 75, Mastermind. You've never heard of Mastermind? I've never heard of Mastermind. Ah, this game's amazing.
0: Never. I mean, you, You take different colored pegs and you put them behind a a shield and then the other person has to guess what they are and basically using a logic. It's like a logic puzzle, but one-on-one.
1: I play this with my kids all the time. It's great. All right. How about this one? I know what you play with your kids. Number 74, chess. Love
0: me some chess. Yeah, I've played chess since I was about eight years old and my kids have gotten into it recently. Uh, Like completely apropos of like, Uh, the Netflix series because they're not old enough to watch that, but it's been fun. I I always love chess. Yeah. I
1: think it's been interesting recently that there's been so many articles popping up about Queens Gambit and how stores can keep up with the demand for chess sets. So, wow, really fantastic. And that's our number 74. Number 73, Scategories. I don't think I've ever played this. I know it's famous, popular, but just never came up. Yeah. We played this a lot. This is, this is a fun game for the families. But this one I know you definitely played. Number 72, Anthony, Battleship. Yeah, this is a game
0: that we all loved as children. And then when you get older and have kids, you're like, wow, this game is rough.
1: (laughs) Yeah, nothing like having a thousand pegs all over the floor, too. Oh,
0: my God. If you have kids, you understand this. But when you play a game with a child, every time it's their turn, you have to go find them and get them to come back and sit down and focus and take their turn battleship is a game where you have like a hundred turns because you go back and forth right (laughs) it's true it's torture i mean electronic bat this is electronic battleship which is fine right because it does some of that for you oh my god true it's so bad
1: (laughs) number 71 unsolved case mysteries it looks like a hobby board game but i've never heard of this version i have no idea what Mm -hmm. this is no it looks like a like a mystery box type of thing. All right. This one you definitely know. Number 70. It's a box of Pokemon cards. <laughs> yeah, I know that. I got a few thousand of those around my house. Number 69. We're back to a classic with an update. Clue Jr. Because, you know, your kids need to know about murder too, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think this actually has murders in it. I think it's like miss, finding missing toys or something.
1: Yeah. I, I, I In fact, I think it would be like... Who broke the toy? Which, you have to figure yeah, that out, or something yeah, yeah. like that. It's Which is exactly the broken toy is Mr. Potato Head, so it's kind of a murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> All right, number sixty-eight. You know, Anthony, guess who? <laughs> guess who is great.
0: I, my kids were super into this like two years ago, and at a certain point, I think I think my son figured out how to break yes. it, and he just he had it, like the right three questions and
1: he'd nail it down within two seconds. He's like, this game's boring. You're like, it is boring. Could we move on? <laughs> I think I actually saw that on a YouTube channel. They're like, this is how you break this game. And I'm like, oh, come on. It's guess who I don't want to do that. All right. Number 67 is another classic hobby board game here. We're talking about magic, the card game. Oh, just magic just more okay. magic. Uh, Yeah. It must be the new set,
0: right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. Probably the new set.
1: Cool haven't played magic in years don't want to too expensive oh you could pick up this booster box which is what we're talking about here 30 packs for 110 dollars huh 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 yeah that's only two board games (laughs) all right let's go back to the classics number 66 mousetrap oh my god mousetrap i always wanted this to work i don't think i ever got it to work properly (laughs) it just does not work This one definitely does work and works quite well. Number 65, Ticket to Ride, Europe. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's funny, too, because I've
0: always been meaning to pick this one up, but now that the anniversary edition is coming out, I'll probably wait for that. But, yeah, Europe's amazing. You add those couple rule tweaks, and it's that Mm -hmm. much better of a game.
1: Number 64, Scrabble
0: Jr. I don't understand why this exists, because by the time a kid can read and write they can just play scrabble it's not
1: more complicated it's just scrabble it's true <laughs>
0: it's just uh,
1: words you're making words all right number 63 is a co-op game from game right called outfoxed i've heard of it but i is
0: not one we've picked up mm-hmm. for our kids number 62 is harry potter wizard chess set Ooh, let's hide that from my kids i don't i don't need another chess set. how about this number 61 hi-ho cherry uh no i'm good my kids are older than that now this is like three <laughs> to six uh, i could have been something we would have played but it is not so i can't speak to it
1: number 60 is yet another chess set i think we should have an over under in chess sets i think we're currently at three chess sets anthony what do you think how many more are we going to say here
0: yeah, I know we're getting up there. It's a <laughs> lot of chess. Set. It makes sense. People be buying chess right now.
1: Um, yes, I like chess. Continue. Number fifty nine <laughs> here is a modern board game and something that we've all gotten to the table at some point. Betrayal at House on the Hill. Meh. All right.
0: Not a fan. Meh. <laughs> Meh. I said
1: it's still a great mechanical game, especially for people who haven't gotten to board gaming and is. A dozen versions, but it's surprising that the classic version is the one that's here. Number 58, obviously classic of all classics. I think going back hundreds, if not thousands of years at this point. Shoots and Ladders. <sighs> Who is still
0: buying their kids Shoots and Ladders? <laughs> Who are you? Just stop it. It's no good. Come uh, on. They're a good hobby game buy your kid when they're like eight months old. Buy those instead. Do not buy this game. It plays itself. You're not doing anything.
1: Uh, number 57 is a brand new game that I have never heard about. I don't know about you. The Upside Down Challenge game. Seems like it comes with a pair of goggles, Anthony. So from old, old classic to new gimmick, it seems.
0: Yeah, it looks like it makes you everything look upside down. That seems very
1: unpleasant. <laughs> I I don't want to play that. How about this? Number 56. It's a toddler game. And it's a bunch of little scavenger hunts.
0: I I don't know. Obviously, I don't know anything about this, but that sounds cool.
1: Like, toddlers get bored, man. You give them something to do? Go find this? They're all hey, about me, that. number 56. Number 55 is No Stress Chess, another chess set. Gotta love it. Stress all or chess all day. Stress all day. <laughs> 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 That's what happens when I play chess. That's that's definitely uh my, my experience wow. of chess is it's, it's stress all day so yeah I, I I go with that all right so that's four chess sets down keeping count at home people I don't know what your number is but we're we're getting there number fifty four game. is shut the box the dice game I've never heard or seen this before I don't know what I'm looking at here this, <laughs> no is... Idea what this is
0: yeah that's that's all I got. But 906 people have rated it four and a half stars, so <laughs> it's something.
1: Number 53, you knew this was coming. I am surprised it is the version it is. It's Monopoly, longest game ever. Why would you make a longer version of Monopoly? It's kind of evil. Number 52 oh, yes. is, again, another hobby board game. We talked about the expansion. It's Wingspan. Oh cool. Yeah, that's great. That's that's a good spot nice. for it. Number fifty one is another hobby board game. It's Codenames Duet.
0: Oh awesome. Yeah, that and they just launched the online version of this. So that might actually influence the
1: ranking here a little bit because you can play this online for free now. Nice. Yeah, that's that's one of the best versions. I like that version a lot. Number fifty, this one is a classic. <laughs> I never owned it, and I now I know why, because Mom would never want me to own this one. It's perfection.
0: I had this, and I, oh, my God, I get so mad at it. So mad. Because if you get to the end, and you miss by one, and the thing pops on you, you just want to throw the
1: whole thing at the door. Like, it's just like, gosh. There you go. <laughs> Nothing will make a child angrier than failing it. I think perfection. childhood memories or childhood trauma of, of that timer. Just like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think you need that kind of stress as a kid. Now, number forty nine is sequence for kids. Sequence is fun. Why not for children? Yeah. Number forty eight is blockus. I
0: we I played blockus once, I think, with yes. you. Uh, you feel, you'd think I'd own this and play it more since it's polyominoes, but.
1: They just have never circled back to it. Yeah, that. I like Blackus a lot. There's a lot of versions of it. There's super big versions. Usually it's a four-player version game. I have the two-player version. I kept it around. It's, it's a great game because you just literally like put pieces in the middle. That's it. <laughs> There's no other instruction to it. All right, Anthony, we got another hobby board game. I think this one's going to surprise you here. Catan, Starfarers 2nd Edition. Oh, really?
0: Wow, okay. that is. An expensive version of Catan. I'm surprised it's so high. Definitely. Number 46, a
1: classic for the family, Boggle. Boggle's great. I love word games, but Boggle's a particularly good mm-hmm. word game. Little tiny box, too. That's great. Number 45, I haven't played this. Maybe you have, Anthony. The sneaky, snacky squirrel game. I
0: have. I It is actually surprisingly good as like a preschool level game. Uh, We have a copy somewhere
1: around here. Uh, Yeah, I would recommend this if you have, you know, four or five year olds. Number 44 is a hobby board game. In fact, it's an expansion. It's Disney Villainous Despicable Plots.
0: Still never play this villainous Mm. series of stuff. I know they're like like the fourth expansion.
1: I just have not gotten around I've played it. It's surprisingly good. It it utilizes a lot of mechanics you've seen. Think of like Scythe where you have your own player board and you choose what action you want to take. It really just kind of steals that mechanic as like the mechanic for the whole game. So, yeah, this has been huge. And I think this one comes with... Gaston, I think he's the uh, villainous villain in here. All right. Number 43. We are looking at more CCG, Ultra Rare Beast cards, because that's a thing you need to have, especially, you know, if you really want to have all the things, (laughs) especially if all the things are super rare Pokemon cards. So yeah, more Pokemon.
0: Yep. They're expensive. My
1: kids <laughs> like expensive cards that they don't play with. Yours probably do too. All right, let's get back to the hobby board game stuff. Number 42. It's an expansion. It's a five to six player expansion. So he's going to get mad at it, but it's Catan.
0: Yeah, I mean, why? see, you know what? <laughs> Catan does not need to be three hours long. So maybe don't do this, but, you know, if you have to.
1: There you go. All right, now let's get back into some party games. Number 41, Telestrations, but the After Dark edition.
0: Uh, you know, I'm not really a fan of any of the After Dark things because they try a little too hard. It's like, look, it's the game you know, but it's naughty. And you're like, eh, eh, I just don't want to do that. I could just do that with the regular version of the game. I just need to be more creative. I don't need you to tell me how to be naughty about something.
1: That's on. pretty much in a nutshell. I played this and it's like, you're trying too hard, man. You're just trying too hard. Just like. That's not funny. Number 40, big shocker here, Anthony. Number 40 is Telestrations. <laughs> so
0: there you go. And it's not the naughty after dark version, and therefore it's good. And I recommend I it. I agree. So,
1: yeah, so. there's nothing more funny than taking something average in every day and finding a way to make it funny. So, play regular Telestrations. Play Apples to Apples instead of Cards Against Humanity, and you'll actually get a bigger laugh from the crowd. I'm telling you. Number 39 is another classic. You've played it. I've played it. Probably everyone's played it at some point. Backgammon. Oh, yeah. Backgammon's great. That's all I got. Backgammon's great. <laughs> <laughs> Number 38 is a the classic original version of Operation. Uh, yeah, no, still still bad at it. Still not interested. Bad at this game. Number thirty-seven, Anthony. I know it's on your top list, uh, at least your top one hundred list somewhere. That is pretty pretty princess. Nope, nope. not even a little bit. <laughs> All right, good. Uh,
0: my daughter's not a big into the the princess stuff, so we don't really have a lot of the princess stuff,
1: and uh, this is not a thing we own. Number thirty-six is Sesame Street Matching, a game I've actually played with my niece. It's a cute. Oh, oh, wow.
0: Yeah. It's. I feel like you could put like a thousand different matching games on here. Maybe there'll be more up top. But at certain point, when my kids were little, we had like five or six. People just buy them for different gifts. And they're great. That's a good thing for kids to learn.
1: Number 35, Anthony. Not a shocker for us, but a shocker for the audience on Amazon. It is Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion.
0: Yeah, this thing. This thing sells like crazy well, so not surprised. Uh, Good price too, like $37 for some Gloomhaven. That's absolutely
1: number 34. It's it's you know, it's a it's a kid's game. It's fun, especially if you know it it is Wonder Forge Richard Scary's Busy Town. It's a toddler toy.
0: This is actually a very good game. Uh, It is it's just a roll and move type of thing or spinning move. But one of the mechanics is you have to then find it's like a giant uh, find and seek type of thing. The, the board itself is part of the game and you have to find certain things based on the cards you draw. It's fantastic for like four year olds. Um,
1: both my kids loved it. Excellent. Number 33 is a deluxe version of Scrabble. Scrabble's
0: great. Scrabble's amazing. I love Scrabble.
1: Number 32, another kid's game. This is Bluey Shadowlands board game. No idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Number 31 is another shoots and Ladders for kids. Moving on. Number 30 <laughs> is Elfin Fun, a little game for the kids where it looks like the elephant blows things up in the air and you got to catch them.
0: That's cute. Yeah, I love the like the more tactile games for like the little ones. Yeah, definitely. It's, they're messy.
1: Yeah, kids are more embodied at that point, so you definitely want to have things that are more tactical and hands-on. Number 29, not a big surprise here. We talked about the expansion. Now we're talking about the base game, Villainous. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. If people are buying the expansion, they're probably buying the, uh, the base game to go with it. All right, how about number 28, a childhood classic. It's all about life. I, I look at this game now, and I'm I'm still surprised. I played it so much when I was like nine, ten years old. Like it's a depressing it really game.
1: <laughs> it's so realistic too. It's like I know. You go to college and be in debt, or you want to start a job and not make much money long term. Oh, great! Yeah, uh, there goes my childhood. You spin game. that wheel. Yep. All right, number twenty-seven. Another classic at least for us the hobby board gamers a modern day classic azul oh yeah no azul definitely needs to be up on
0: this list forever and like when it first came out i figured it would be it's that kind of game so not surprised
1: number 26 not a surprise to anybody in hobby board gaming one of the gateway games of all time ticket to ride absolutely yeah i've bought this game as a gift more
0: often than i think any other game for people i know are or- trying to get into games but aren't in them yet, it's perfect.
1: Number 25 is a, a childhood classic for me. That's Hungry, Hungry Hippos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I never got this for my kids. I don't think we could find it, but I loved it. When yeah, I, was I don't there. think that's a thing a parent wants to have around. At least back in the day, it was just marbles everywhere. <laughs> just like flying left and right. True. <laughs> Number 24 is a hobby board game that got a lot of attention. It's a Spiel des Chiara's attention. In fact, that's Quirkle.
0: I love Quirkle. Yeah, this we have a copy somewhere, but at some point, my son got very angry at this game <laughs> because we've got it's the shapes and the colors, and he couldn't quite Aww. separate them,
1: and he just kept messing it up a little bit and getting yeah. really angry.
0: So we put it up, back
1: it down. Yeah, I hear that. I got I got mad at Quirkle too, and I don't want to play anymore either. <laughs> <laughs> Number twenty three is another hobby board game. Not a big surprise here. Pandemic. Yeah,
0: an all-time classic gateway game. Uh makes sense. I'm surprised it's so high during a pandemic, but I guess people are still still willing to play it. True. So. <laughs> Number 22 is yet another version of Battleship. Yeah, this is the one we have with the extra planes, which makes the game take even
1: longer. Don't buy this version. <laughs> it's bad. All right, talk about another versions of a thing. Unsolved case files. Obviously, all that kind of like detective drama unsolved cases is such a big thing. So here's another version of it. cool. (laughs) Still don't know what it is. (laughs) Number 20 is a game that probably everyone played as a kid. I don't know if it's a game or a game experience, but it's Twister.
0: Yeah, this uh, we've had a couple copies of this and both of them have ended up in the basement slash probably in the trash because all it ever ends in is the kids punching each other. It's not good.
1: <laughs> Number 19 is yet another version. Seems a little more adult version. It's Battleship. What is wrong with you people? Stop buying Battleship. Not very good. Oh, no. Battleship's catching up to chess. We'll see how that plays out. Number 18, again, not a big surprise here. I don't know why you would do this to a child, but it's Monopoly Junior. Yeah, I mean,
0: to be fair, the Monopoly Junior, I think, takes like an hour. So it's not that bad. It's a much
1: shorter game. Number 17 is yet another version, the classic version. It's Clue. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. It's up there. Number 16 is yet another Unsolved Case Mystery version of the game i don't know what's going on with you people (laughs) it's number 16 all right let's get back to another game anthony i know that you're going to be sorry i'm sorry to have to tell you but it's sorry number 15 is the whole top of this list like different versions of games we don't like what is this come on (laughs) number 14 Ah, is definitely a game that has been played by everybody it's bingo
0: bingo nice i love that there's that many people out there buying bingo that it sells more copies than clue
1: or sorry it's awesome (laughs) that's really number 13 is a trivia game it's i should have known that which i didn't know that so (laughs) do you know that i don't know that you should have known that come on Uh, number 12 deserves to be here for no other reason than it's pop matic bubble it is trouble
0: yeah yeah pop all day this game's not even that good it's not the pop matic <laughs>
1: but you get to push the bubble number 11 not a big surprise here it is the classic it is scrabble still love it Yep, yeah, i know it's
0: a lot of people don't but it's one of my favorite word games
1: number 10 is one of our hobby board games out here we talked about the duet series this is code names yeah,
0: same thing as Azul. Like when this one came out, I was like, oh, this is going to be around for a while and it's going to sell a lot. Mm-hmm. And here it is.
1: Number nine. Obviously, we talked about the two expansions. This is the base game. It's Catan.
0: Yeah, it's the all time. People talk about Euro game. The vast majority of people who still talk about Euro games, they're talking about Catan. Like that's the level the majority of the population is
1: at. And so it makes sense. It's up here with 20,000 reviews, which is crazy. All right, so the family classic game for kids of all ages, I guess, so to speak, Candyland. Yep, Candyland. I I think the version that they
0: sell now comes with cards, which means the game literally plays itself. <laughs> it's you draw true. a card, you move to
1: that. <laughs> and it has over 14,000 perfect reviews. So I don't know how that happened, but nonetheless, it did. All right, number seven is a game I haven't played. Maybe you've played it with your kids, Anthony. Zingo Bingo. Yeah, actually, I had this for both oh. kids. It's
0: uh, there's different versions of it, but it helps kids learn to read. Oh, cool. So it's, it's pretty cool. Like it's a fun little game. It's got like this little push thingy. And it shoots out these different tiles. The kids fight over who gets to press the button or pull the slides, and then you just you're playing bingo, but you have to recognize the words and be able to read them, nice. obviously. So,
1: right number six, another game for the kids. If there's anyone who could beat out Sesame Street when it comes to matching, it's Disney matching. Yep, more matching. Kids like matching games. Number five, again, sorry to kind of say this to you all, but number five is the classic Monopoly. At least it's not the longer version of Monopoly. I still can't believe that is
0: on this list.
1: Number four is, looks to be, in fact, our last version of chess. Woo, 5% of this list (laughs) is chess set. It's pretty fantastic. Number three should actually be number four because it is Connect Four. Oh, that would have been perfect. So, so close. <laughs> number two is a game that we already talked about, but now it's the full adult version here. It's Sequence. Yeah, no, this is this is one of those classic games that I love. It's uh and all the different versions of it are great. And finally, our number one best selling board game on Amazon.com, as per this recording, Anthony. Guess who really?
0: Yeah. Guess who? Number one. I wonder if someone mentioned it on a podcast <laughs> or if it was not the podcast, obviously a much, much more popular podcast.
1: Uh, I, how did this jump to number one? That's nuts. I don't know, but it's obviously just selling big time. And again, by the time you, you check this out, I just clicked it just to double check. It is still the number one best selling board game on Amazon all right everyone so wow. that's amazon's top list not our top list but it's good to know what everyone out there is buying and really interesting and exciting that so many hobby board games are getting out there into the public and especially their expansions i mean that's hardcore oh yeah
0: no it's seriously like you got wingspan and expansion on there you got like three expansions for Catan.
1: like lots of good stuff on absolutely the all right anthony so until next time this is chris Hey, and this is anthony and we'll save you all a seat at the table.